Welcome to this week's episode of From the Lighthouse. Today, I'm very lucky to be speaking with Bruno Gomez. Uh, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Bruna is an Australian-Brazilian novelist and poet. She is the author of the YA novel, How to Disappear, and the poetry collection, Triple Citizenship. Her work is featured and forthcoming in various literary journals, including the Cordite Review, Paper Crane Journal, Overland, and the Columbia Review. Bruna is a recipient of the Fred Rush Convocation Prize and the Association of Heads of Independent Girls' Schools Prize. In June 2022, she will be a writer in residence at the Museum of Loss and Renewal in Italy. Bruna was born in Boston, Massachusetts, and currently re resides on the northern beaches of Sydney on Gadigal land, where she grew up. Thank you, Bruna, for being <laughs> Thank here. You. Especially squeezing us in when you are so close to <laughs> heading off to Italy. Um, it means an enormous amount. Um, so I'm really looking forward to talking about triple citizenship with you, yes. uh, your collection of poems. Uh, so could you tell us a little bit about uh, triple citizenship and then maybe read us a couple? Um, would be really lovely. Yeah, of course. So triple citizenship is, um, is broken into three parts and it is sort of offering three different alternatives to um, the location of the self in terms of... Um, uh, their self-citizenship and it is um, exploring beyond governmental documentation and it's going towards culture, family, food um, and language and it's um, seeking the self and searching for the self beyond, um, you know, predetermined borders and um, yeah, it's, it's seeking a more authentic state of the self that is as much celebratory as it is um, difficult to navigate, I guess, yeah. There's so much celebration, there's so much energy and so much vibrancy in, 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 in your poems. Um, I'm Thank so you. looking forward to hearing. Which which poem would you like to read for us first? Yeah, so I'll read Brasileira first. It's in the first part, um, and I'll begin now. Okay, Brasileira. Half of me lives on the other side of the globe, in a plate of papaya, a kitchen knife lodged into my shoulder as I get older, my grandmother's withered hand loses its grip. A reminder that three aeroplanes can take me to her living room, but never her home. Death is a cruel payment for intimacy. Heaven, a jewel, rainforest green, blurred by a mosquito screen, torn by my father's warped bowels. His slanted English pulls me closer to myself, wraps me in sandy towels used on the beaches of Bahia, a preteen pre me shaded by coconut trees, the jubilee of colourful blood splattered on sepia memories, nostalgia my second most felt emotion after saudades, cured briefly by dancing, samba in the dark. Some days, the most Brazilian thing about me is the mosquito humming in my bedroom. I tap my feet along to its buzz, its bite, the closest thing I have to a family reunion. For now, I practice my Portuguese, silently waiting for it to come in handy, scouring supermarkets for a ripe papaya. 
thank you. Um, I think uh, you have reminded me how important the voice is to poetry. Yes. Uh, hearing the rhythms of, of your poem and I think also just the vivid imagery. I, I think that moment when you said rainforest green, um, I was just awash, <laughs> you know, sort of with that, with, with that, with, with that colour. Um, so, you, I, I mean, you're, I guess your palette is so rich, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yes. Um, I think part of the search of the persona throughout the book is one of indulgence. I think especially, you know, I was writing this, you know, in the middle of the pandemic and um, when you sort of are cut off from the rest of the world and the family who lives on the other side of the world, you're sort of in this state of... Um, I guess there's an absence of your family and it's sort of like but they still exist they're not gone they're not they're not erased you know and so because they still exist everything is still there in abundance and so this search is sort of indulging in the abundance and nostalgically kind of reaching for it I guess and so um you know, especially with food imagery and um, all those sensory like tastes. Like, I, for me, food is is like a time machine. Like, it really just takes you. It can take you immediately to a certain place, a certain time. I think flavor is so important for um, family, and especially if you think, you know, in your house, you've got a kitchen and a dining table. You've got you really are accommodating this notion of food, and food is so much more than a notion of survival it's emotional it's um collective and so i did want to really evoke a sense of indulgence and even it's even a privileged indulgence too because so many people um just don't have the option to pick and choose what they want to identify themselves with and so um it's it's that's when it comes back to celebrating it it's just being thankful for it and um yeah just really um, allowing yourself to enjoy all the things that you can connect to yeah and I think it's also just that wonderful thing that in a poem mm -hmm. when and I always think that when a poem is working uh, it's presence isn't mm -hmm. it because yeah. those uh, even though they're not my experiences <laughs> yeah. and you know I, I, I don't like papaya but I so <laughs> want to love papaya yeah. and I'm already thinking I have to but I have to try it with lime you know maybe yes well that's the thing for the I for a long time when I was a kid I didn't like papaya and I felt that was like like as if I wasn't a citizen of my own family because everybody in my family loved papaya and I was like well then I can't call myself as complete as them and <laughs> which is a weird thing but that's how sort of powerful food is and but then you know my um family was like oh we'll try it with lime and it's it's amazing. Blew your mind. Well, look, I, I, I just feel that, Michelle, you must love papaya. There's no way in the world that yes. you don't. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, sort of that that's one aspect of it but it was also the fact that you know sort of the, the sense of family and I think also just uh you know sort of that real sort of um defamiliarizing of yes blood 
and and you know sort of connection and you know sort of the, I guess in a way it is using uh, sort of the the metaphor and the physicality of blood and to tap into that sort of that weird dislocation of of of, of pandemic and and separation yeah. and and having and not having um, but also the way that the because there's a certain courage to invoke something that you can't have yes. Um, and I think what your poem does is in celebrating that bravery, you know, of, of, of <laughs> yes. calling the people that you can't have at a moment, of the experiences that you can't access, um, it, it, it feels like it's rewarding the reader with their presence. Um, and I, so I so very much, uh, you know, sort of appreciated your skill and your generosity in, 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 in doing that because I, I think poetry, it is a gift to the world, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Thank you. And it was also sort of a gift to myself. It was, it was the one way, while writing the poems, it was the one way I could um, sort of have the power to move my family closer to me um even if it's just in a purely emotional metaphorical way um and as well that's when the mosquito became so important to me as well because you know a mosquito is something from nature that we have a very physical relationship with as humans compared to other wild animals or wild animals you know <laughs> not pets and because you know they suck our blood and they leave us itchy and irritated and <laughs> it's you know we have a very very inextricably physical relationship with the mosquitoes and other insects like that and so because as well you have mosquitoes in australia in brazil in so many different countries this sort of they were sort of like train lines that connect your blood to different places and it was like a a comforting thing to have that buzzing sort of reminder in your mind and also back to food as well I thought of you know does our, our blood as the food for mosquitoes does that give them nostalgia does that you know our blood as a means of nostalgia I think was an interesting interesting thing to explore it's fascinating because I think the more that people sort of work through how fluid genomes are yes. and all of that sort of thing um, that becomes a really fascinating question and, and also yeah. humans as the food of mosquitoes yeah. it's a wonderful inversion and and also I think because we, we live in in a time of, of, of you know sort of such conflict and in a place where we're finding it so difficult to find mm. common ground mm, yes. and so there's something very powerful about a shared anything that's a shared experience yes. and you know sort of the the the, the sort of the unanimous uh, response to the the mosquito even if it is sadly a slap and a, <laughs> and a spray and and a, and a curse yeah. um it is it is just it is it's it's kind of the thing that you can't almost argue with yeah exactly. um and it, it it also i guess puts us in our place Oh, definitely. You can't, can't do anything about it. <laughs> it's, it's inevitable. It's awful. <laughs> um, but, it, but it also brings us back to our bodies so beautifully because you can't ignore a it's mosquito so bite. It's so and even when you're going somewhere and you're told there's mosquitoes there and you haven't been bitten yet, you sort of get that anticipatory itch. Absolutely. It's so, it's so emotional as well as physical. It's... And also people are superior about whether they are the food of mosquitoes oh, or whether yes. mosquitoes don't touch them because I yes. come from a family where I am the magnet for mosquitoes <laughs> while everybody else sits around and, and you know, just goes, ha. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, th I think there's, there's yeah, there's, no, there's so much fun. proud of being the mosquito food. Yay, yay, <laughs> take more. <laughs> um, so just tell 
tell me a little bit about when you first started uh, writing poetry? Because I, I have to say, um, you know, because obviously this is a, a, a audio, you're, mm. you're, you're really young. Uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> 19. Yeah. I am a baby. <laughs> I can't believe it. Oh, my uh, God. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, compared to writing prose, I started poetry very late. I started poetry when in maybe 2019. Um, and then in 2020, I read Plath's Ariel, and all of a sudden, it was like I'd found the key to unlock the code of poetry because it had been a sort of enigma, enigma for me for a while compared to prose. I found prose so much more accessible. I found prose taught itself to me whilst I had to teach myself poetry. But yeah, um, once I had read Sylvia Plath, I was kind of gave myself the permission to experiment more and more. And then when COVID hit, um, it's when I had more time to um, write poetry. And so in the summer, like the summer between 2020 and 2021 um, is when I sort of started playing around with the poems in Triple Citizenship and really, um, you know, the world works in mysterious ways. COVID is awful, but it actually... Um, sort of led me to the path of these poems I guess yeah which is an incredible story um like I'm, I knew you, you were you were young and it's not that you look <laughs> older than 19 but I, I think I hadn't I hadn't quite realized and um yeah and and I think also it, it's just incredible because I think poetry is one of those things that grows with us you know it's never definitely. the same thing oh, definitely. you know sort of in all the different chapters of your life yeah. and and so to have this experience of being bold enough to, to, to take the pen and, and, and write the poems and to, to quite clearly have such a natural um, <laughs> talent uh, is, is, is wonderful, is wonderful for the world, I think. Thank you. Um, so, I mean, your poems are so rich in sensory details. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think that the fruits, the mangoes, the guavas, the mm-hmm. papayas, the limes, um, the jewels, um, there's this sort of almost a sensory surplus, mm-hmm. you know, this real sense of, 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 of a sort of a joy um, and I, I, I guess I'm sort of interested in the way that you see these things as, as, as a way of, of kind of exploring um, actually quite serious things because yes. while it is you know sort of so much joy and so much celebration there's no running away from from grief um, difficult yes. femininity and I think also impossible identities that the world's not quite ready for in so many ways yeah um I think it does come back to this notion of indulgence, especially because of the fruits and the natural produce that are available in Brazil, um, quite a lot of them, not all of them, but quite a lot of them are available to us in Australia and it's just a matter of you know our supermarkets not providing them to us or they're um, in sort of outback or faraway regions like you know the very north of Queensland or whatnot. And so it's sort of about this notion of we have the resources and we have the abundance to um, define ourselves the way we want um, regardless of government or regardless of laws or regardless of institutional um, priorities I guess and we do have the agency to um, celebrate ourselves and enjoy ourselves and indulge in um, multicultural and interconnected ways of celebrating and I think you know this food and fruits and senses in general as a way of consuming them and lapping them up I think is something that we should be um, encouraged to do more because there is um, 
you know, it's common for us to say like, oh, I'm grieving, I'm going to cut myself off from X, Y, Z. But actually, if you, um, oh, well, for me, anyway, if you sort of indulge in the nostalgia and indulge in the memory and indulge in, um, you know, all these different senses that unite you with your ancestors or with, you know, your um your future, your future family, or with anything really, it's it's this it it creates this sense of belonging and a sense of groundedness and a sense of identity. Because of course, so many of the poems are also exploring the, the loss of your voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and and I th- I think it's also that we that so many of the structures of our everyday, you know, sort of the institution, mm-hmm. they're so restrictive, and mm-hmm. you know, sort of they really reinforce you know, sort of the differences and they make things feel impossible to sort of overcome, to surmount. Yeah. Um, whereas in actual fact, you know, sort of our, our lived experiences of bodies and tastes and, 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 and feelings, you know, sort of actually make things very malleable, don't they? Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes we forget how powerful um, sort of pleasure and indulgence are Ah, for creating oh, yeah. new worlds because it because it, it is that uh, sort of creative act of of creating and imagining a, a new world where it is possible for you know sort of everything all at once um yeah. so it was because uh, i think i think that there was just something so 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 brave in your commitment to tell stories and and, and to face you know sort of the challenging things like grief um yeah i mean um Today, I think we are we sort of sterilize death and we sort of cut ourselves away from death. But I sort of wanted to resurrect my Bobo in a way and sort of you know because I never I never felt like you know even after she passed away she passed away in about uh, twenty fifteen I think and um, you know I never felt like she was sort of like a corpse. Do you know what I mean? Like it's I never thought of her as something morbid or something macabre or anything like that. In, you know, in my head, she was still alive, you know, especially because um, I, for most of my life, like I had lived in a place where she was somewhere else. And so still in my head, she was somewhere else in that, in that colorful, exuberant, vibrant land far away. Um, it's sort of, I had, even when she was living, I had sort of mythologized her. And so there was no reason for me to treat her as something, you know, closed off or buried or anything like that I did want to sort of claw her back out of (laughs) back out of the ground and interact with her and it was very cathartic for me I think writing these poems because um yeah I just it was it was a way of saying of uniting myself beyond with people beyond death and I think it was it was quite nice to treat death as something um that isn't a barrier yeah. Uh, look, because I because I think that that's that that's because there's something uh, you know it's very distinctive and unique in, in the way that you sort of bring your your poems into being. Um, and and you know I don't think I I sort of picked up. You, I felt mm. how alive your vovo was, but mm. to, to hear yeah. that there was this uh, you know sort of sense of of the the resurrection. But again, you know it's that that presence that 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 sort of feeling of of you know sort of somebody living um, on the page that 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 was just. Um, so 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 delightful and of course throughout your poems uh you know sort of family mm-hmm. is because of course you are exploring the way that um sort of citizenships uh, mm-hmm. plural <laughs> you know um can, de- can definitely create um you know sort of tensions and and and, and gaps and yeah. and you know sort of boundaries um 
but all the way through this line and and the force of 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 family um is is really noticeable um yeah i mean i think a simple way i put it in my mind is you know if you think of your family and your ancestors or your grandparents as sort of the roots of your family tree um and then you're a branch how can you say like oh well i was born in you know this country and so this branch is a different citizen to this other branch and it's it's just not like that you know you're one in the same tree you're one in the same entity and being and you're so influenced by your family and um in terms of um your sort of outlook towards life i guess <laughs> and so there is it's an inextricability from your family that i think overrules citizenship um and um you know your documented identity um i think you know so many people live in one country but their family lives in another country and they would call themselves a, ne- a citizen of the country that their family lives in not the country they live in now and so yeah i think family has it's it's the basis of everything really for me at least and for my poems it's um you can't you can't remove them from from anything really and it's the potential isn't there because yeah. we're so much more than you, the, the, than the passport than the visa yeah. stamp than uh, the bureaucracy um and i i think that there's this that that's the, that's the reminder um you know that that that, that we sort of feel because there, there, there is something uh sort of jubilant uh in your poems and the way that you bring together um because you know obviously english in australia is not english in america is not english exactly. anywhere else it, there's a distinctive quality to it and of course you're adding to the mix portuguese yeah. um and so there is this sort of uh you know sort of wonderful bringing together because uh, because a poem does it stands alone it has that that sort of wonderful unity even as it's connected to the world and and so in a sense you've done that in 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 bringing together um sort of sort of three sort of the world would say disparate strands mm-hmm. but you've sort of shown them to be uh, to be to use your word inextricable <laughs> yeah um and as well i think literally um we've been as australians we've been trained to strive for english standards of of writing and literature and um i really wanted to decolonize writing and 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 um vocabulary and sort of structures of speech because it just isn't realistic um even you know even our pronunciation australian pronunciation is so different to america and um and britain you know some people that are american will listen to an australian accent and be like are they speaking a different language <laughs> and so i just wanted to decolonize the whole notion of english as a elite standard and um even some of the portuguese i use throughout the book is not perfect portuguese because as somebody the persona of the book if some as someone who is searching you know she isn't going to be searching with perfection she is you know she is flawed she is searching for flaws and um yeah i think i wanted to sort of create a tapestry of language that is realistic and authentic and um leaves room for um 
growth, I guess. Yes. Because the history of language is a history of change, exactly. isn't it? And permeability and mm-hmm. expansion and words coming into languages and, and traveling the world. Um, mm-hmm. You know, sort of when you look at sort of the etymology of our of, of the words that we, you know, sort of yes. try so hard to standardize today. Yes. Um, you know, you, you, you can't because they, they've just got so many um, sort of connections with every sort of imaginable sort of language and, and, and culture. And it, it's such a beautiful thing to remember mm-hmm. um, and, and there's so much potential there isn't there yeah, definitely. Um, in, in a, allowing it and of course the language that we speak is never the language of you know sort of standardized anything yeah um, exactly and I imagine particularly perhaps having grown up here mm-hmm. and, and, and in America as well your your Portuguese has been impacted by that which is which is different to someone who's grown up um, and and being schooled uh, you know sort of in in, in Portuguese in in Brazil yeah. And and that's one of the I think that's one of the things that can be really difficult, um, you yeah. know, sort of for, for second generation or, or diaspora children is to have that point of difference, and it feels like you embrace that, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's a very powerful thing to, and not an easy thing to do, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting when you sort of are out and about and you. You know, I think, oh, I can identify somebody who's Brazilian immediately because I can de- detect their accent. I can detect, you know, when they're talking, it's like, oh, they're Brazilian. But then I think the other way around, like somebody would never be able to identify me, you know, as a stranger, as somebody who is half Brazilian or Brazilian. or, And um, that sort of, that determination of language is um, very strong in society and even... Um, is the source of a lot of racism too you know if you it's especially you know in Australia you see it so much as people listening to somebody's language and then having something racist to say about it um so yes um language is I did want to sort of overcome it and sort of think well no is because it is broken because my Portuguese is very broken it's very basic and it's very broken and um that isn't doesn't make you any less of something and so it is yeah celebrating that where languages meet and where they cross over and where they falter um is as much of an identity as a strong perfect language that that's so beautifully said um in terms of, I'm almost reluctant to bring us to this point just because it's so lovely uh, talking with you, but just in, in terms of uh, Encircle um, mm-hmm. Press and, and, and your experience of being published, um, I'd love to hear how that came about. Yeah, um, so they are a very small indie publisher um, based in America. And um, in, let me think, in 2020? 2020 or 2019, I can't remember. I had my manuscript for How to Disappear, which is my first novel, and I submitted it everywhere. I didn't have an agent. I was, you know, going crazy, submitting it everywhere and everywhere. And um, they accepted, and, you know, because I am an American citizen, it was that sort of part didn't um, cause any issues. And um, they were so welcoming and so wonderful, and um, they, it was such a good, it's so good, to sort of have a small publisher in a sense that um, it's like a partnership really and like I designed both my covers, like I drew them. And so it's been a really rewarding experience within Circle and as much as it's challenging with um, sort of marketing and things like that, it's 
you know, that wasn't my goal to have like some mass produced big blockbuster sort of situation. And so it's actually served my purposes quite well and it's been very fulfilling, yeah. Uh, is it possible? Where do we buy uh, triple citizenship? Uh, you must. I mean, we will provide a link um, uh-huh. in the pro- on the website for anyone. But but just because I think it's 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 an important part of being an author and, mm-hmm. and being a poet is because you do want your work to be read. Oh, definitely. I mean, it, yeah. it is, isn't it? Like it's such yeah. it's such an intrinsic part. It's not so much about you know sort of that money or fame. No, but yeah, it's but also, the audience. Yeah. makes makes the poem really yeah um yeah so you can buy it i mean maybe the easiest here in australia is just online you know anywhere like amazon booktopia etc um but also if you go into your bookstore like your local bookstore you can ask for them and they can ship it in um <laughs> so yeah whichever's yeah, yeah, or maybe you should do a little bit of both, yeah. you know, just to yeah. um, you I mean, know, you support can go and writers. hassle your local bookstore and be like, excuse me. <laughs> no, but yeah, online, in store, anywhere, yeah. And just as someone who has really sort of picked up the pen and, and, and written, mm. um, do you have tips for people out there? You know, sort of because a lot of people carry that desire to write and mm-hmm. to find the story and to tell the story. Um, do you have some tips, last tips for it? Um, I think honesty is probably, inter- for any writing at all, I think honesty really just is the simplest way to tell your story, even if it is fiction, which, you know, seems sort of counter counterproductive to be honest while you're writing fiction. But um, I think honesty with your the emotions you're conveying, it just, that's, the truth is what connects so thoroughly to your audience. But also, if you're writing poetry, I think the best advice I received is just listen to your senses and notice your senses and how you interact with the world because that experience of interaction through all five of your senses is what is so universal and is what is going to connect to every single reader, no matter where they are. They, you know, they still taste things, touch things, hear things, smell things. And so, yeah, I think your senses are your best friend when it comes to writing. <laughs> Bruna, thank you so much. It's been an absolutely delightful uh, morning with you. Um, And I wish you all the best for your travels um, to Italy. And thank you for making time for us. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed myself. It was a real pleasure. We'll have you back and you can tell us all about Italy (laughs) when you get back. And and the fellowship. Thank you, Bruna. (laughs) Thank you very much. As ever, thank you so much for joining us here at From the Lighthouse. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Please remember to like us at wherever you listen to your podcasts and don't forget to share your favourite podcasts with friends and family. See you next time.